At Gates, we are passionate about the Word of God. We hope the message you are about to listen to empowers you today. So today, I'm ending my series that I've been on, Frame Your World, with this last message and the importance of you and I learning how to frame our world, our individual world, so we can be friends and fathers and spouses and family members and be connected to people like in church life and and not be threatened by other people. We've got to frame our world with the Word of God so that our thinking changes and we live our lives the way God wants us to live. Can you say amen? So, our foundational scripture or passage out of Hebrews chapter 1, I'm just today going to read the third verse, Hebrews 1 and 3 says, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. There's there's so much to that. It'd be good for you to really spend time on that one verse of Scripture, getting what it means and and what it's saying to you in in the days ahead. And look at different translations of the Bible to get different thoughts and ideas. We've read different translations through the weeks. But I really encourage you to do some study on that. Because the way the worlds were framed, the way God framed the worlds is the way God wants you to frame your world. The way God framed the worlds is the way He wants you to frame your world. We live in a world here, a planet, an earth, that was framed by the Word of God. And everything that you see was not made out of things that are seen. Everything that you see today was made from faith in what God desired. The first verse says, now faith is the substance of the things hoped for, the evidence or the conviction or the assurance of the things that you don't see yet. He had this assurance that when he said, light be, light would be. And when he said, light be, he didn't wait around to wonder if it was going to happen, it be. And that's the way God wants you framing your world day to day. Not framing your world based on what you see, Oh my gosh, how's this going to work? Oh my gosh, how's this going to happen? Oh my gosh, how's, how, how's this going to change? Oh my gosh, what am I going to do about this report? Oh my gosh, I'm, what? No, no, not that way. See, you're, you're basing, you're, you're framing your world with your words based on how things look, how things appear to be, and how you feel. You don't want you framing your world like that, but based on This verse that we've looked at a number of the weeks that we've taught on this, Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Destruction or blessing in this life is determined by what you say and how you frame your world, not you framing your world with things you can see and feel, 
But you framing your world with what God's Word says, developing this understanding and desire and this passion and this expectation that what you say happens because it's God's will. God's Word is God's will. God's Word is not just a a book of a bunch of stories. It's a bunch of stories. But it's the Word of God. And if you don't believe it's God's Word, in other words, when, when I say it's the Word of God, it's God speaking to you. But you and I have to put that Word in our mouth where we're speaking it, so we're hearing His Word spoken, so He's speaking to us through what we say. And it's developing the expectation, not based on what I see with these eyes, but what I know in here. It's developing that expectation. So then, as I'm framing my world and I'm believing what I'm saying, it's producing results. James 3.2 says, another verse that we've read in these, through these weeks, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say. That's, that, that's in the NIV is the way they said that. The reason I brought that up again today is because um, what determines whether what you say is a fault or not? What determines whether that's... He, say, he, said, he said here, anyone who is never at fault in what they say. Was Jesus ever at fault in what he said? No, the Bible says he was never at fault. The devil had nothing in him. He never said the wrong thing. Somebody says, well, but he he was the Son of God. No, no, no. That's That's not why he was never at fault. The reason he was never at fault is because for 30 years he developed. That word perfect there is not perfection, it's developed and matured. And Jesus, who, yes, was the Son of God, the seed directly from God, He became that perfection to be our lead. The one that we look at, and and He's he's our mark, He's what we develop the standard of our life after if if we learn to believe this. So if you never said anything wrong, you were never at fault, then you would control everything else in your life. I can tell you some things that I'm not totally in control of. I can give you a few things that I'm not totally in control of. Oh, well, you know, I didn't do that right, so I just give it up. No, you don't quit. You keep developing. You keep framing. You keep in the mix. You keep allowing the Word to change the way you think. That's why Jesus became who He was. You say, yeah, but no, 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 but but, but He was was born perfect. Mm -mm. No, if that's true, then He would have been born to a perfect woman. 
But he was born into a sin nature world like all the rest of us. Yeah, he was directly from the sperm of the Father. All the rest of us are indirectly from the sperm of the Father. Because all of us were created in the image of God. But he was directly from the sperm of the Father. Because the sperm of the Father impregnated an earthly woman. Never been done, never been done before, never been done after, never, ever, ever. But Father set this up for this to happen so the perfected seed had to develop in an imperfect body that was born into sin. And because he developed, see, see, listen to me, don't, don't, don't lose me there. I'm, I'm telling you, it had to be this way or he couldn't be the perfect sacrifice for your and my sins. It had to be this way. A lot of people have a hard time with this. They have a hard time accepting this. But it had to be this way. He left his glory to come to the poverty of this earth. Born into a sin nature like all the rest of us, but never missed it because of his development. Why at 12 years old did they lose him in Jerusalem? I mean, you know, there must have been a whole caravan of family that went on that trip. And why, why, what the heck did, how did they, why did they lose him? Why would he do something like that? The only reason he would do something like that is to do the will of the Father. And you know, when they found him, he wasn't, you know, shacked up somewhere or staying at the JW Marriott or whatever, you know, enjoying his time in Jerusalem or not. I, he didn't do any of that. When they found him, he was at church, and he had been at church, and been sleeping at church. Because he couldn't get enough of the Word. But at 12 years old, the Bible says, he stayed submitted to his parents. He stayed, he stayed submitted to Joseph and Mary. And he grew in stature and in favor with God and man. Because of the development, the framing of his world with the revelation of the Father. And when it came time where it had been developed and come to a place of perfection, then he had to pass every test and trial because of the Word's sake. Notice when he was, came up out of the baptism... In the beginning of his earthly ministry, he's 40 days in the wilderness, and he's tempted by what? <laughs> he's tempted by the enemy, but he's challenged in the Word. All three of those challenges that came at him, they had to do with the Word of God. And the devil misrepresenting what the Word said. God, I get chills when I think about it. Buddy, you've messed with the wrong Marine. That first challenge about 
Man shall not live by bread alone, trying to get him to eat. Man, he was hungry. Forty days, you're not eating, you're hungry. But he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Every word of God. That's why you and I have to be in the framing business of our lives with the Word so we can think like that. And Jesus did it, and so that encouraged us that we can do it in His name and in His power. He's our elder brother. See, he didn't, Jesus didn't come to the earth to become the Son of God. He already was. He came to the earth to become the Son of Man. The perfect example that a human, a person in a physical body could control his life by controlling everything that comes out of his mouth. That's what we're reading in these, ver- these verses of Scripture that we've looked at in the last few weeks. I said this to you last week. God isn't running the world. He's running you so that you'll run the world in His will. We're joint heirs with Him, the Bible said. Joint heirs. He's done His part. We're learning how to do our part. Joint heirs mean 50-50, equal partners, LLC. Equal partners working and functioning together. On the earth, in what we're doing down here, he's fulfilled his part. Now we're learning to stay connected through our part. Only way to do that, framing your world with the Word of God. I give you something at the end of this message today just to think about in helping you to frame. I, and, you know, we talk about this a lot, and you'll hear us talk about this from now on forever and ever. Can't get away from this. In everything that, that I preach, every series, I have a new series starting next Sunday, but even in that series, you'll hear some of the overflow of this in that because you can't get away from the how important that the Word of God is to be changing the way you think every single day in every single situation. God isn't running the world, He's running me. When I say something, good or bad, it's affecting the world. It's affecting the world. What I say every day affects the world. I'm not talking about every inch of the planet, but your next-door neighbor is the world. If you're cursing your next-door neighbor, you're affecting your neighbor. That's part of the world. And on and on and on. Last week, <clears throat> we read this passage, and I, was gonna, I had a little bit different twist where I was going to take this message, this last message, but um, I felt like this one passage I needed to stay with, and then I have a another one that I'm ending with. So i got two passages that, I'll, that I'm just going to give you today as I end this message. But in Luke chapter 6, we read this last week. <clears throat> Starting with verse 46, he said, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? And notice that's a question. There's a question mark there. Everybody see the question mark? Yep. So that means that's a question. That's not a statement. 
So he's asking you and I the question here, and, and before we're able to answer it, he gives us the answer. So he said, so why do you call me Lord, Lord? Why do you say Jesus is Lord? Why do you acknowledge God's greatness and do not do the things that I do? Well, here's the reason why. Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings, whoever comes to church and hears the word preached like you are this morning, and he does them, I will show you whom he is like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. When you hear the Word and you begin to start doing something with the Word, you're laying that foundation. When you go back to the, the James 3, James 3, 2 verse, we all stumble in many ways. If anyone, uh, anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check, they're perfect. Why? Because they did something with what they heard and they built a foundation that the rest of this says will not affect your life. Watch what he says. They dug deep, laid the foundation of the rock, and when the flood arose, not if it rose, but when it arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it. You're the house. You're the house. Everybody say, I'm the house. I'm the house. You're the house. We're the house. Right? We are the house of God. 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 6 or whatever it is, somewhere in there. Romans 6 and 1 Corinthians 6. Both of them say it in so many words. We are the house of God. Spirit of God lives on the inside of us. We are the house of God. Right? So the house he's talking about here is you. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. Who's the rock? Jesus. He's the perfect one. He's the one that came. He's the, he, he's the one that was conceived from the sperm of the Father in Mary's womb. He was conceived. It was an impossibility, and it was done. It was impossible, and it was done. And he lived on this earth for 30 years, developing, coming into that place of maturity, knowing who he was, being confident absolutely in the Word of God. You know, the Bible says in, uh, in uh, 2 Timothy 3, I think it's verse 1. Not 100% sure, but I think it is. It says this, in the last days, perilous times will come. In the last days, perilous times will come. It gives this whole list of all kinds of things, and if ever I've seen everything in that list, it's today. In the last days, perilous times will come. And as you read all through that, and it talks about how the people deceiving and this happening and all this, and you can focus on all that, or you can focus on what he says later in the chapter. He said, many of the persecutions that come against the righteous, for whose sake? The word's sake. 
But my God delivers from all of them to those who are framing their world. Building this rock-solid foundation so when the perilous times that are already here come and things come at you, right, and all the perilous situations and issues and, and, and things that trying to distract us and get our focus off of what God has said, when those times come day to day, when something comes at you, you're not shaken. Didn't mean the storm didn't come. Didn't mean that, you know, you weren't rocked back and forth. Didn't mean that you weren't, you know, uh, doubting certain things and kind of frustrated about this, that, or the other. But you weren't shaken and you didn't back off. You stayed in the fight and you stood strong and you overcame. Because the storm's here today and it's gone tomorrow. Perilous times will come. They come and they go. And whether they go from your life and out of your life is determined on what you do with it. Did Jesus have some perilous times in his three and a half years of ministry? Man, I'm telling you what, Nazareth and, and, Nazareth and, and, and Caesarea and Corinth and Jerusalem, man, they, they loved the guy. He was all around that area before he started his earthly ministry. They loved it. Then he was in the synagogue on the day when he stood up and he said, today... This scripture's been fulfilled in my hearing, and I mean, they wanted to throw him off the cliff. I mean, this is a guy that they love. He was, he, he, that's Joseph's son. He's a carpenter's son. What the heck? Who, who does he, he's, what's he saying? He's the Messiah? Yeah. But man, when he said, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, I mean, it was like, let's boot him out, down, around, stone him, do whatever we got to do. Let's take him out. Did he overcome? Absolutely. He overcame for three and a half years. They couldn't stop him. They did everything they could until it was his time. And everything he did and every victory that he won, you and I can win the same victories. But we got to do what he did. And he framed his world with nothing but the Word of God. Three days at 12 years old in church and wouldn't leave. Trying to convince his parents to leave him there. See, because at the end of the day, what church is about is the Word. You, you, you get, and, and, and in the Word is the revelation of the Holy Spirit and His purpose and what He's here to do for us with the Word of God. It's Spirit and Truth that we have to be bathed in to overcome anything that happens out here because the devil's spirit, and he whips you every single time when you're operating in the soul. He always beats you. He'll always beat you. Because he sees things from a spirit realm that you don't see. That's the only thing he has. He's a defeated foe. He has no power. He's been stripped of everything through deception, deceiving us into believing that what we see, feel, and hear, as we were talking about earlier, is more real than what God says is so. And when the flood arose, the stream beat venomously against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing, but he who heard and did nothing, 
Wednesday, somebody asked you, how was church Sunday? Oh, it was awesome. What did pastor talk about? Well, he told something about John Wayne. <laughs> I know he said something. I, I, he said it, was, it was really good. He said something about John Wayne. Didn't do anything with it. Every time I hear the word, every time the word is preached, I take notes. Or I make sure I've got the message to go back and take notes. Because the word of God is not the preacher's word that preached it. The word that was preached, and I believe in the people that preach the word. If I'm believing in the person that is preaching the word, that's not their word. It's his, and he's given them authority to take that word and deliver it. And so when I hear the word, I take it seriously. I either go back and listen to it, or I take notes, and I go back, Father, what do you want me to see in this word for me? Not just, oh, it's a good word. No, God's word is better than good. It's off the charts fantastic. But the only thing that will work with you and the Word of God is revelation that flows out of you because of the time you spend to frame your world with the way He looks at things. Can you say amen? Amen. But He heard the Word and did nothing is like a man who built his house on the earth or the earth's way of thinking, the natural way of thinking, without a foundation because, uh, without a foundation against which the stream beat, and venomously and immediately it fell. Notice that. It, it, it venomously and immediately fell. Some extra words added there about how bad the fall was. Because that house wasn't framed with the word, didn't have that solid foundation that it couldn't be shaken. And the ruin of that house was great. I promise you today, and, and you know, I, I'm, 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 I'm not holding back in using this word, the, the, you know, the, the statement about people that, that contemplate suicide. I mean, Many, 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 many people for lots of different reasons contemplate suicide, but there's only one reason, because you're not framing. You're not framing with the Word of God, because the Word of God will produce this life. And you don't want the end of your life to be that you took your life. You don't want that. You don't want the end of your life to be destruction and things not working. You want to, you want to live this life in the fullness of God, doesn't mean that things don't come at us. The storms come to everybody. We might as well have the answers to go through the storm. Right? And that's what the Word of God produces. But you don't want the end of your life to be that way. You want your, the end of your life to be, you were here one day, you stepped over the next day, and you just kept going. Because of living your life framed in and from the Word of God. Can you say amen to that? So, I want to end this today with this passage 
and these declarations that I'm giving you today, that some, some that I speak every day over my life, just going just, just gonna to read these to you. And uh, <clears throat> so you can, just so you leave here today with this idea and this thought that I'm going to give you out of 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5 and starting with verse 6. He said, therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Anytime there's a therefore, there's a reason for that. And he said, right before that, in the verse before that, he said, he said, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. He said that. No, that's not what he said. Because that's what he said in this verse. Uh, Wait a minute. He said in verse 5, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. The word grace is favor and empowerment. God Resist the proud who've got, who, who are doing it their earthly way. They've got it all figured out. They don't need their world framed by the Word of God. But he says this, Therefore, humble yourself because God gives great grace to the humble. He gives great grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourself. Duh, Right? Under the mighty hand of God, and how do you do that? He says that you may you that that He may exalt you in due time, and the way you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God is by casting all of your care upon Him, for He cares for you. One translation says He can care for you better than you, and that's the absolute truth. So true humility comes from not taking the cares, but casting them. I'll say it again. True humility comes from not taking cares that are before you every day, but casting those cares. Declaring, no, 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 I'm, I'm not taking that worry. I'm not taking that fear. I cast it, and Father, I thank you. As I'm casting it, you're able to care for me and minister to me, and show me how to overcome. But if you take the care of that, now you're focused on this realm. Now you're trying to work it out in this realm, in your mind, and you're not near as good as him at working it out. So the way you humble yourself is, true humility is saying, not my will, come low, right? Humility means to come low. So I'm saying, not my way, I'm coming low, doing it his way, and then he exalts me. He brings me high. I'm high in his strength. And, and, and how much I am exalted is determined on how much I do it his way. Man, that's a win-win right there. You can't lose that. When that is your life, you can't lose because your daily framing 
and daily having situations where you think you may have a better idea, but as you're beginning to pray in the Spirit and you're getting wisdom and understanding from God, and He tells you to shut your mouth and don't do that, I want you to do it this way. You just have to learn how to do that. There's a lot involved in that. It's not as simple as it sounds like in what I'm saying, but you can do it. Or he wouldn't have told you you could. I'm telling you today, you can do this. You can cast every care and not take the care and the thoughts of trying to figure something out when he's got every answer to every situation that you will ever face. If he's got every answer, why the heck would I be trying to figure it out? I'm going to try to figure it out from him. Use the knowledge you have. Gain, your, gain knowledge, but knowledge itself puffs up. That's why most people with knowledge degrees are puffed up about their degree. I mean, tell me if that's true or not. Hmm? They have more faith in the document on their wall in their office than they do in the living God. Does that mean we reject knowledge? Absolutely not. Grow and develop. But not just knowledge, you need revelation of the knowledge, and the only one that can give you that is the Holy Ghost, because He knows so much more than all your professors and all the students that ever were in the college you were in, and they know He knows more about all of it from all of us put together. He knows it all. So he can take the knowledge you have and make that so valuable. I mean, I'm, I'm convinced of developing knowledge and developing revelation. I'm convinced of both. Well, I don't need knowledge, I'll just get rid of it. No, 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 because you're too stupid to pay attention. Huh? You don't want to be that. Now you want to grow in both of them, but your confidence is in, just in the knowledge you have. Your confidence is in the God that's taken the knowledge you have and making you who He wants you to be. Wow! Can you say amen to that? Whew, God is good. So he said, so he said, after he said, casting all your care upon Him for He cares for you, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, your adversary, the devil. Everybody say, the devil's an adversary. So he's working against you, right? Your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Notice, he's like a roaring lion. Ah! That's a weak one. Remember like Simba and his dad, you know? He was, he was trying to convince his uncle or whatever about how loud his roar was. And then here comes his dad. So, so the devil's like, hmm? kind of sounds like a roaring lion, but he's got no teeth and no bite. He's got nothing. He just tries to scare people. So he prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Watch this. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world, but may the God of grace who called us to this eternal glory by Jesus Christ, after you've suffered a while, one translation says a very little while, you'll be 
Perfect, established, strengthened, and settled. Everybody say, you're going to suffer through things. You're going to. You're going to have storms beat against your house. You will. But just a little while. And if you're framing, hmm, then you become perfect or established, strengthened, matured, right? Established, strengthened, and settled in the fact that no matter what the hell comes, hmm, what from hell comes at us, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. No matter what. No matter That's the end of my series. Well, it's the end of God's series on framing your world for this time. And so, think about this as I read these few confessions. If you've been around here at all, you've heard these before because, you know, I use these at different times. But this is a part of the passage that I speak every day. Sorry that I didn't, I didn't give these to my team back there and have them put these up there. I didn't, I don't know what I was doing. Not even thinking. Anyway, um, I wasn't thinking at the time, but I'm thinking now. <clears throat> Today, the Holy Spirit is revealing everything that the Father has done for me. Wow. That won't hurt you to say something like that every day of your life. Today, today, right now, today. So when tomorrow comes, it's today. And I'm going to say it again, tomorrow when it's today. Today, the Holy Spirit is revealing everything that the Father has done for me. Everything. Today, I declare I am not in fear of failure. One of the greatest fears that attack mankind, the fear of failure. There are people that do well in business, have everything that they need, but can't enjoy it because they're so afraid they're going to fail. That fear, that, that fear paralyzes people. <clears throat> Proverbs says, the fear of man disables. Trusting in God protects you from being disabled. The fear of man disables. Trusting in God protects you from being disabled. Whatever would whatever fear would grip somebody that they're not going to make it, they're going to fail, that they're 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 inundated with these thoughts and ideas. All of it comes from the enemy. But that's not from God. I love this when I speak every day. It's not like it looks with anything. Everything through faith in God is subject to change today for the good. It's not like it looks with anything. Everything by faith in God is subject to change today for the good. Everything. 
you can go back and listen to this message and write these down if you want them. Today, I have faith, hope, and love. And then I say, today I operate in faith because of the hope and the love that my spirit man is saturated with. I have faith, hope, and love. I operate in faith because of the hope and the love that my spirit man is saturated with. I resist grief and sorrow. I declare today I am an overcomer. I resist grief and sorrow. Anybody ever had times of grief and sorrow in your life? I have. Yeah. And then one of those times I started saying this. And I've never stopped saying this every day. I'm not waiting for grief and sorrow to come on me and overtake me and try to peddle my way out of it. I'm declaring today, I resist grief and sorrow. I am today an overcomer. Grief and sorrow have no authority, no place in and on my life. Can you say amen to that? I say this every day. I walk by faith and not by what I see or what I hear. I walk by faith. I don't walk by what I see and what I hear. You need to be reminding yourself of that every single day. I walk by faith and not by what I see or what I hear. What am I doing right here? I'm framing my world with either full or pieces of Scripture from the Word of God. I'm framing my world with what I say. When something that I'm seeing and hearing and feeling is trying to get the best of me, and I say, I walk by faith and not by what I see and how I feel, and that's what I say every day, when that thing comes, then what comes out of my mouth in the situation is what I've already been saying. So when I say it, it's like God saying, eh, wait, 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 wait. As I'm declaring it, he's saying to me, see, you walk by faith. You're not moved by what you feel, what you see, what you hear. You're not moved by those things. God starts speaking that to you, and it begins to bring the peace and relieve the pressure and all the things that try to come at us in so many different ways. It relieves us of those. And I end with this. I press through to victory in everything that I do. I press through to victory. That confession came out of 2 Corinthians chapter 2, where it says, Thanks be unto God who always causes me to triumph. 2 Corinthians 2 and 14, and 1 Corinthians 15 and 
somewhere in the 60s, says pretty much the same thing. Thanks be unto God who always gives me the victory in Christ Jesus. Today I declare I press through to victory in whatever I'm facing. And that's framing my world with the confidence and the assurance nothing can get the best of me because of what Jesus chose, what he implemented, and it, and it was a sealed deal in the Garden of Eden. Father, he said, if there be any other way. In the garden before he was going to spend the next 15 hours in the torment and the literal mutilation of his physical body. Father, if there's any other way. But not my will, yours be done. Don't think for a second he didn't have the ability to make that choice. And had he made that choice, the devil would have had something on him. See, he's not the perfect example. He gave in to the pressure. The more and more, everybody here that the chosen season four is out, or it's coming out in February, it's coming to the theaters. All of season four is going to the movie theaters first. Oh, yeah. But the more I've watched The Chosen, it's been a real blessing to me that The Chosen series has been a huge blessing. If you've never watched The Chosen, you're missing out. It's free. Go watch season one, two, and three. Go on a binge. Just do it all night long from about seven in the evening till like 10 o'clock the next morning. Just watch every one of them. I mean, you'll come out of that being... It's a life-changing series because it gives you a lot of things that you don't normally think about concerning Scripture. You say, well, you know, there's some stuff I see that didn't, it didn't say that in Scripture. Yeah, but it didn't say it wasn't. That's the way I look at it. You don't have to build doctrine on something that you're not 100% sure about. But man, some of those ideas that back up the Word of God are just amazing. They, they've, done, they've done a phenomenal job of it. And you and I have to embrace the fact that Jesus went his whole life, his whole 33 years on planet earth without his heavenly father. The Spirit of God was not in people until his 33 years were over with. God was present and God was God's omnipresent. God's everything he wants. But he lived those 33 years without the same type of presence that he had with Father in heaven. He left the glory of heaven to come to the poverty of this earth to be able to relate to you and I. He did a fabulous job. He delivered us and liberated us today because he didn't give in because he chose to submit to the will of the father now you and I can overcome any and everything that we face in life as we frame our world with the word of God the way he framed his world when he was on planet earth with the word of God can you say amen
Don't just let this series go to the wayside because we're not teaching anymore. Spend time going back and listening to the words, going through your notes. If you took notes, just reminding yourself of how vitally important it is every single day. Can you say amen? Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, we invite you to share it with someone in your life. We would love for you to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. You can also download our app and stay connected to Gates and access to the Word of God anytime you need it. We are believing that the seed of today's Word is going deep in your heart and that you always remember God is more than enough in every situation of your life.